Hi everyone and welcome to The Author's Journey, bringing you stories of authors in our community with their and their journeys with the written word. I'm your host, Moni Dujeji, and I'm delighted to have with me today um, an author, uh, a social activist, a poet, who is here to share with us her most fascinating book called The Inheritors. And, um, this is a, a very a, a powerful book, I think a very timely book, and one whose author has a great deal of, um, of stories to share with us about. So Gita, Dr. Gita Bach, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice it's great to, to have here. you here. <laughs> yes, we've you know we've crossed paths on, on several occasions, and we see kind of circling around the same topic. So I'm glad to be having this conversation with you today, um, because you're telling we're we're going to be talking today specifically about something called um, moving from generational trauma. And I know that you've done a lot of research on this whole topic of generational trauma. Now, before we get into it, can you explain to me a little bit um, about this research that you have been doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there has been research done on intergenerational trauma, transgenerational trauma. There's been a scientific proof that it exists under epigenetics, which has hit the media. Um, but it has never gone very deep. And um, people who have experienced uh, inherited trauma, as I call it, yeah. uh, generational trauma as well, uh, inherited because it also means that we've inherited memories and it's a, a lot more than, than just the trauma. Mm -hmm. We've inherited resilience. So I, 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 I generalize it more uh, to inherited trauma. And um, so I, I wanted to do research because I was very curious to know about um, why the research that I have read doesn't quite fit. And I've heard that from uh, other uh, survivors of trauma that it doesn't go deep enough, it doesn't quite get their story. Mm -hmm. I also wondered how come some people were very resilient and could um, overcome the trauma and move forward, which is the topic and, and of the book, and why others just can't seem to face the risks uh, of, of that you need to take in, in life and, and move forward. And I was also curious about my own uh, unknowns and, uh, and and gaps in my story, which is yes. a whole uh, a whole whole other thing. We, will, we hopefully will be able to get to. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot I wanted to research, um, and I wanted to know in particular, uh, which is quite unusual and led me to some fascinating research on inherited memory. Mm -hmm. Do we carry memory from one generation to another, mm -hmm. which hasn't uh, yet been touched? Yeah. Well, you know, obviously your personal story, of which I know a little bit, is a great deal of um, in, is a great deal of influence on this research because if you want to just touch on it very briefly, sure. um, you too are an inheritor of this inter of this trauma that we're talking about. So do you want to just share with me just very briefly mm -hmm. um, your story? Sure. Um, my parents were Holocaust survivors yes. from uh, Canada. And um, after that horror and that evil that nobody can explain, I always believed this would never happen again. Um, there's no way. And here we're seeing millions and millions of refugees, millions and millions of children, 23 million children affected by 63 million refugees right these days. So, um, so I was, I, I, I'm, I'm just shocked. That's kind of another reason for my research is why is this continuing? Yes. And I do have an answer for that. And, and another hidden motivation around you know, my own personal need for the inherited memory thing is that I do have an inherited memory. It's rather odd. 
My father, um, his wife, and two children were killed, um, murdered actually by the Nazis. The, and um, I never knew why, how they were killed. We have no information. My father didn't talk about it very much, um, and which is not unusual. There's always one parent that talks and one parent that doesn't talk. Mm -hmm. And um, so I have a memory that they were shot. It told my memory is a spot on my back mm -hmm. and, and nightmares. Um, and I didn't talk about it. I was only about four or five when, when I was having these. And then when I was a little older and had the nerve to ask my father, I said, how were they killed? And he said, we have no way of knowing. Mm -hmm. uh, the men were told that they were going to labor camps. So the, the women said, run. Nobody knew that the wives and children were the first to be killed. It just never happened before in, in war. Mm -hmm. and, um, and this wasn't even a war. Why they killed them was racism. Right. Um, so uh, my father said he had no information, had no way of knowing, and there was no way of knowing. But I was determined. Uh, can the spot be real? And, uh, and I found uh, a very interesting theory, which is in my book, on phantom memories. Well, let's, let's delve into this, because, you know, this, this book is very powerful. Um, it impacted me very deeply. You know, there's a great deal of research, which is very important for the scientifically minded to have the research to back up what you're saying. But what I found very impacting about the, the book itself are the many personal stories. There mm -hmm. are stories that are heart-wrenching. There are stories mm -hmm. that, you know, really, I was weeping in some parts of it, because mm -hmm. they are so, it's just the... the it's almost like I'm, I'm feeling the trauma that they were feeling, and this is just secondhand. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a very impacting. Um, Thank you for that. Yeah, it is. It's very, it's very personal, and those are the kinds of books that I enjoy reading, ones that are very personal. Mm -hmm. So I want you to explain to me this, the memory that you, were, that you were just talking about. What did you discover? That's rather interesting. So um, I did my doctorate, and I didn't even think that they would accept a doctorate under this kind of research, but no problem. It was a wonderful uh, institute, Taos Institute with Tilburg University in the Netherlands. And, um, and they allowed me to be emergent in my research in my, and, in, and in my use of um, language, uh, which I carried forward in this book. So I took the, the, the academic and took out the academic so mm -hmm. that people could have the same um, feelings that you had reading the book that they would identify and personalize to their own stories so it's written as my journey in a very personal way and uh, telling stories and and repeating the dialogues that I had with people and my poetry is in it um, so um, what was interesting was uh, the combination of talking to people to find out if they've had something similar because the only research that I was directed to was paranormal and I didn't right. feel it was paranormal. I don't go that route. I don't go um, the route that we're, we need healing even because we're not broken. This happened to us. We didn't create it. We didn't choose it. Right. Um, so I... Because that's, that's an interesting point and I just want to make sure that, that that's clear that we're talking about uh, trauma that is happening to not, not that has happened directly to you, but that the children or that the families mm -hmm. of the ones who lived through the, the trauma are having to deal with. This right. is the trauma that we're talking about. Right. The survivors or the inheritors, as you call them. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be uh, something as traumatic as the Holocaust. Right. 
um, children. I've talked to military brats whose parents have PTSD or they're away all the time and they never know when they get home from school if there's boxes going to be uh, sitting in the house and they're off they go. So it's this kind of uh, sense of not belonging and a sense of absence and loss of roots. There's many kinds of trauma, uh, any kind of very strong devastating loss, mm -hmm. addictions, family, illness. <coughs> Um, so the, the secondary effects are not noticed and I'm just going to diverge for a minute because on the news right now, yeah. driving me crazy, um, <laughs> there's the story about the Boyle family that was kidnapped in Afghanistan in five years. So yes. there's a six-year-old yes. who has known um, uh, being in, in this small kidnapped place for, for all his life. Because was, there was a child born there, right? The uh, there, yes. there was, yeah. and, and uh, Yes. Yeah. And so this six-year-old now, um, he was beaten if he spoke too loud. He's, he's never known anything but <coughs> this enclosed uh, scary place. And um <coughs> so um, he's now in Canada and, and everybody's talking about, oh, children bounce back so quickly. He's already recovering. My God. Right. This child is going to need a lot of help and yeah. and a lot of validation for his experiences. You don't just cover it up, and that's the problem <coughs> with with uh, the way people talk about resilience and bouncing back from trauma. We don't bounce back, yeah. so it's not that we're crazy. Um, it's just that we need to process our story, and mm -hmm. so um, all of us have have these stories. Our, our life is full of stories, and it's like a a pool of unprocessed stories that we haven't really gotten into and talked about and expressed mm -hmm. and, and and explored. So so I explored this memory um, through my my own um, reflections, talking to other people, and I did the historical research. So I looked at the dates of when the the wife and two little children they were only um, four and three were taken into the Krakow ghetto. This is in your in your personal in life. Pers yes, yes, in your back, yes, life. in your family, yes. Yeah, and um, so I realized that at that time the gas chambers had not been built. So it uh, so that rules out gas chambers. Okay. And then I found out that children under five were shot immediately. They were just killed right outright. Yes. And while I was searching databases for information, sure enough, nothing, nothing came up. And then there was a note that just got me that said, no documents kept for children under five. How horrific. Yeah. Truly, how, how horrific, how, how devastating. And especially when it is something that is so, so, so personal because we're talking about your family. These aren't just you know, research yeah. subjects that are, of course, it's horrific all around. But when it's especially you're looking for your own family, you're looking to understand your own roots. Mm -hmm. I can imagine how devastating mm -hmm. that must have been for you. It, it was, and, and, so, and very sad um, yeah. that these children just meant nothing. And uh, what I realized when I was finished, and, and they accompany me, the book is dedicated to them, they yes. accompany me the whole way. Uh, so what I did to memorialize them, which is an important part of validating trauma, is f that's why we have memorials and that's why we have Remembrance Day. I right. was meant to wear my poppy today. Um, that um, 
So I, I put their names and I didn't know when they died, but I had, didn't know their birth dates exactly either. Uh, so I, you know, I just put their names and their ages on my father's side of the tombstone, yes. of his tombstone. So at least it's there. Yeah, and and you know, in my personal belief system, I, I do believe that they recognize this, no matter where they are. That is something that they know and that they appreciate, mm. and that for them it closes a loop on their life as well, as short as it was, as brief as it was, this mm -hmm. is a way of remembering, giving it, um, making it real, making mm -hmm. their life matter. Mm -hmm. Even though it was a brief time, moment in time, their life did matter. Mm -hmm. And your way of doing this honors that. Mm -hmm. And so in my, That's uh, lovely. Yeah, in, in, my own, in my own personal Wonderful. belief system, I do believe that spiritually, um, they have closed the circle, you have, cl you have helped them to close the circle on the, what was traumatic in their mm -hmm. life. And right. it has helped them to move on as well. Now mm -hmm. I do have to take a quick break, okay. um, but I want to continue this fascinating conversation with you. Please stay tuned everyone as we continue our fascinating conversation with Dr. Gita Bach. Welcome back everyone to this episode of The Author's Journey, where I'm delighted to, to be speaking with Dr. Gita Bach, who's giving us a fascinating perspective on generational trauma and uh, what it has meant also for her personally in her life and all the research that she has done on all the traumas that we see that is inherited um, among people of, of different different situations. And I, you know, it's very easy to stay in the trauma and in the stories because they carry so much pain and they carry so much, um, they, they just touch you so deeply. But I know a lot of your work and the title of the book is called Moving Forward <laughs> from Generational Trauma. So obviously you've come uh, through your research to a place of understanding how we can indeed move forward. And it's interesting that you use the word moving forward as opposed to moving on. Mm -hmm. So I want you to, to take us through that journey of moving forward. Yeah, um, and I don't use moving on because the memories are cherished, and we're and we do we we do have the the role to play of of uh, carrying those memories. Yeah. Uh, so we don't talk about moving on. We do talk about moving forward. Uh, I'm glad you talked about the spiritual uh, aspect of it because trapped trauma uh, and loss and the sense of absence and the sadness, all of that that is trapped affects us at the spiritual level and at the body level. Mm -hmm. So at the body level we could have an emotional level of course. At the body level we could have various illnesses that we don't understand and mm -hmm. um, uh, sore necks or some kind of repetitive headaches or, or even more serious diseases that are trapped and, and need releasing. Um, similarly at the emotional level uh, I've heard of people with these unknown fears. Uh, when they travel, they have to know where they're going, and then turns out that there's an uncle who left, you know, a Ukraine on a boat in the darkness and didn't know where he was going. And do you think there's a connection, Gita? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, there's these things that we don't, when we, when we don't bring them to our awareness, will continue to sit there. And so how do we move forward is yeah. your question, of course. 
and and my book is 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 actually yes. the main tool. Yes. So so the book uh, has um, is written in um, I model the journey of what somebody needs to go to. I do not give a one two three step process for overcoming it because everybody's different and needs to process internally what they're going through. Yes. So every chapter has questions at the end based on the concepts and the stories that people have heard to reflect on their own story. How, how does this show up in their story? And um, by the time they finish the book, they will have processed and written their story, hopefully. Um, and you know, if the questions don't work, that's fine. Uh, nothing is written in stone, but the book itself is a tool. Yes, that's uh, what I actually I like. That's what I like about it because um, there is not the you know the checklist. You know, do this, do this, do this, and then you are healed. Yeah, yeah I and I do like this idea of by by asking questions, probing, getting people to really reflect. It's almost like writing in a journal because these it questions, is. yeah, you're journaling, you're writing down your feelings, your thoughts, and at the end of it, you're coming to this place of writing your own story. You're yeah. writing a new story for how you can live your life. Yeah, yeah. And I actually do tell people that um, when they are answering the questions and writing their story, it's probably better not to use a computer. It's probably better to do it by hand. Why? Why do you use by hand? Uh, because it flows and you don't second guess yourself. If you make a mistake on the computer, you go back and easily True. correct it. <laughs> you don't correct it. You just allow it to flow and emerge in in a nat more natural, organic way. It's like a stream of consciousness. Right. It's like you're, you're almost, because I, I do agree with that, that when I'm writing on the computer, I write in a different way than when I'm writing by hand, because mm -hmm. I keep a personal diary as well. Oh. And writing by hand, it's almost as if it's a, it's a stream of consciousness. You're just allowing whatever words to, to flow through, to flow through, and they're coming from a place that's pure. Right. And as you say, that you don't just go back and auto-correct your handwriting. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And the other uh, important uh, aspect, of, of a lot of what we um, inherit is not known, as mm -hmm. was in my case. Um, one way of getting at those hidden memories and, and those unknowns, there's things that we know but we don't give ourselves credit for knowing, as I did. Um, uh, I did give myself some credit or else I wouldn't have pursued it. Um, and um, I call it knowing the unknown. And so, one way of getting at those is through the creative arts. So I do it through poetry. Mm. Um, some people create, you know, will drum or dance or write songs or um, paint, um, paint beautiful paintings. And people will say, this came out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Take a look at where it came from. Or you can enjoy art and look at and interpret it yourself and see what you see in, in the arts. So creative arts is another way and then a very important uh, third way is dialoguing and getting that validation from other people being heard, which is what's happening with the murdered and missing women. It's very yes. important to be heard, their stories to be heard mm -hmm. and validated and acknowledged. Uh, the Armenian genocide is still an issue because it hasn't been acknowledged by all countries. Canada finally acknowledged it. Um, so they're waiting for the acknowledgement from yes. Turkey. Um, it needs to be acknowledged, but we need those memorials. Um, but we do need to, to go into it. We can't, you know, as in, in the news every day has a story. In the Manhattan killings the other day yep. on Halloween. Um, so again, I'm hearing language like, oh, New Yorkers are resilient. They're already, you know, saying we're not going to allow ourselves to be afraid. 
deal with that fear. You know, you are under the assumption that you're living in a safe place, yes. and that assumption has been blown out of the water. Deal with that fear. Uh, what does that fear do to you? Yeah. yeah. So is this what? So then, what do you mean by resilience? Because you hear the, the term resilience everywhere now, mm -hmm. um, and so. But I think, what is your take on the word resilience? What does what does resilient yeah. mean to you? Yeah, it does not mean bouncing back to what me. What does it mean? It means you know, and we've inherited our resilience because our par parents have survived. Um, so it means learning um, about survivorship, uh, learning um, how to. Um, my father called called it combineer to its resourcefulness to to come to do um, this in exchange for this you know uh, build relationships mm -hmm. with people extremely important um, all of these skills leadership skills um, risk taking skills in, in a in a careful way in a in a well thought way these are all signs of resilience of, of ability to to deal with the you know the difficulties of life. Life does go up and down, yeah. um, and um, and and that resilience plays out in ways that can help others. So social activism, for example, mm -hmm. as I get into, is um, also one way to um, move forward. Is by giving to others and 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 uh, and helping other people. Yeah. So, um, so there's really many, many ways, and people can find their own ways. You know, some people love, you know, walking in nature. Um, so anything that gets at a quiet place where you can really uh, think about um, what triggers you, what scares you, at the same time what inspires you, and uh, what puts you in a place that transforms that trauma. Yeah, it's interesting that you use, uh, I was just going to come to this point about using the word transformation because um, you don't at any point speak about healing because you don't look at trauma as something to be healed. And um, you look at it more as a, as a process and as a journey. So can you talk yeah. to me a little bit more about why you don't use that, why you don't use that term? Um, first of all, because I don't think we're crazy, I don't think we're broken, I, th you know, these things happen to us in life, we right. didn't create them. Another is that the psychiatrists have actually said that uh, therapy doesn't help. Oh, is that right? Yeah, not for, not for repeated trauma, Okay. like sexual abuse over many years, therapy doesn't help. Um, this kind of inherited trauma, um, it doesn't really help. It's nice to talk to somebody, yeah. and uh, and if somebody is really not able to function, I wouldn't say don't go to therapy. Um, but what does help is um, is some of these things that I'm talking about, um, dialoguing with others. Um, and um, when I ran dialogues, what was so much fun is the laughter that took place. We didn't cry. We were hysterical because <laughs> things that we were doing in our heads, we found other people did the same thing. And it was so validating. Validation, you know, that yeah. sense that, that the biggest fear I think we have in life is to be rejected from a group. And being validated as, yeah, I do that too. Yeah. Can and be transformational. I, I, I had a, a, a transformation like that in, in one of my dialogues. And there's a magic in a group. Yes. Um, and that's the other reason I love dialogues. So. Um, it's a process. Everything is a process. So um, therapy could help to a certain extent. The psychiatrists um, have told me that EMDR works very well, which is uh, reshifting in the brain. It's an yes. eye movement deprogramming and re mm -hmm. resensitization uh, yes. uh, process. Uh, but um, 
So why stick to, to that therapeutic model of pathology? I like to describe how people nowadays talk about, I'm depressed. Yeah. I'm so depressed. <laughs> and you know, when I was growing up, we used the term, I'm blue, I'm right. low, right. I'm down, you know. It wasn't a pathological thing where you needed to run to a psychiatrist and get some drugs. Yes. It's just part of life, yeah. you know. Yeah, and there are moments. It's not a label that say, you know, I am this. It's just, you're, you're, it's a moment. It's a moment where you're feeling these feelings. There are these moments, but that, the moment you attach a label to yourself, it becomes something that you have to treat, that right. you have to fix, that you, rather than seeing it perhaps as you're suggesting, as, as a process that you're going through. Yeah, right. Yes. And it lightens it up. This is so heavy to yes. think of, you know, I've got PTSD and ADD and depression. Right. <laughs> Yes. Well, you know, we are down to our final minute uh, together, if you can believe this. Well. This, is, this has been a, a very, you know, a very enlightening um, conversation that, uh, that we're having. And there's so much more that we can, that we can mm -hmm. talk about. I know this. Um, do you want to leave us with a few thoughts on um, a call to action or a message that you want to leave for all the inheritors Yes, um, of trauma. yes, definitely. I have a dire warning, actually, and that is if we don't process our inherited trauma, it will be perpetuated to the future generations, to our children. Uh, a sensitive child, uh, you know, may be, will be more vulnerable than, than another one. There could be two children in the same family. One reacts, one doesn't. Yes. Grandchildren. Um, uh, it goes, the, the, what I have researched is that the perpetuation of trauma can go up to as much as seven generations if it isn't wow. processed. Seven generations. Yeah. Wow. And it explains the, um, the violence that we're seeing and the anger and the racism that we're seeing. Because not only have the victims of trauma not processed their story, but neither have the children of perpetrators and collaborators and the standbyers, the people who couldn't do anything, didn't know how to do anything, but are feeling very guilty and very ashamed. And that bottled up story that their children sense and don't know what it's about, that too if can be perpetuated, so. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your insights. I so appreciate it. I know you will impact many people. Thank you all for tuning into The Author's Journey and we'll catch you on the next show. Fast, one by pretty fast.